Well, good morning. Grace to all in peace from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, who has risen from the dead and in the power of our Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, our gospel lesson ended with this verse. Jesus had let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message, that is, the kingdom of God has come near, for that is what I came out to do. And he went out throughout Galilee proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. You know, a Sunday school class was for young, for parents of young preschoolers was meeting and they decided they needed to have a good name. And so they had lots of possibilities. They decided, well, maybe we could be called seekers or searchers or learners. But finally, after talking with one another, they settled on one name that was simple, it was truthful, it was inclusive, and maybe even a little prayful. They decided to call themselves the Tired Parents Class. And I believe that's more true now than ever before. Parents are tired but so are all the rest of us. Maybe not the same kind of tired as those parents, but we're all tired. The pandemic and all the ways it has changed our lives has made us tired. You know, the prophet Isaiah today was speaking to the people of Israel who were in exile. They were experiencing more change than they could ever imagine. They were faint, they were weary, and they were exhausted. And the Word of God spoke to those exiles from that prophet Isaiah to those of us today who find ourselves weary and tired and weak and exhausted. And the prophet said this, Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait for the Lord. We've all been waiting for good news. The very first verse in the Gospel of Mark says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is good news for us who are exhausted in this life. Because what we know is that living in this world is kind of dangerous. Not just because of the pandemic, but because of all that seems to attack us. We know the trouble is out there. And we know that it's not just our bodies, but it's our hearts. Our very souls that are attacked. That often it feels like we live in a war zone. And we find it really hard to stay stentered and be absorbed in our primary life-affirming, life-witnessing world. And it's so easy for us to become disconnected from life and people and God. And what we do is we end up just going through the motions of life. Often it feels like we're no longer living the lives we have, but rather barely dealing with life as it comes to us, just existing. And we long for resurrection. 
But today we know all true that resurrection only takes place in the land of death. And we know all too well the power of death around us. So Jesus comes. Jesus came to the people of his day, and Jesus comes this day to you and to me as good news, to bring the good news that God's kingdom is breaking in, that this world will not have the last word, but our Lord and Savior will have the last word. And that just as Jesus goes to all the villages proclaiming the message, so we are sent to proclaim that good news around us. You know, N.T. Wright, a a theologian, argues that Jesus' exorcism signals his head-on war with Satan. That Jesus' really battle, his real battle, was with the accuser. The one that wants to steal our identity as children of God. But to have faith was to recognize that the God of Israel is alive and active in Jesus, in his teaching, healing, and exercising. That the faith was saying, there is God. That Jesus came to be our agent. That Jesus came to overcome the unclean spirits with the clean Holy Spirit. That Jesus' ministry is comprised of proclaiming the good news of this kingdom that's breaking in, of healing the sick, resisting the forces of evil by casting out demons. He came to restore people in health and in relationship with God and one another. So we would have a chance at that commandment to love God and love our neighbor. And today our gospel begins in a home. Peter has a mother-in-law who is sick and he's worried about her and he asks Jesus for help. First of all, how many of you remembered that Peter was married? That he had a mother-in-law? He's kind of ordinary. Kind of like you and me. But like us, we're often in need of Jesus to come. And so Jesus comes into that home and begins a ministry of healing. You know, a house reflected the earliest Christian communities. They were house churches where the life of the Christian community was made possible. And today we're reminded that Jesus comes here to the house, the church, and to our own homes. We are the weak ones sick with fever. And in the power of the Spirit, Jesus is the presence of God who strengthens the weak. Jesus is the gospel, the good news that is given away. And we are healed so that we, like Peter's mother-in-law, may rise to serve others. You know, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45, is, I think, a theme verse that says this, for the Son of Man, that is, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, in following Jesus, we are called to proclaim, to heal, 
to resist. And how do we do this? Well, we need the strength that comes from prayer. Jesus actually takes time to pray, to withdraw, and tend to his own spiritual life. It's way, way too easy to forget. And I don't mean to add to your to-do list to make time to pray, but rather to remind you that breathing, resting, renewing connections are good things, however you do that. The Gospel of Mark will remind us that the Sabbath was made for us, not we for the Sabbath. But it was made for us because we need time to be with God. It says, Jesus went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In fact, in, the, in Mark's Gospel, Jesus goes off three times, always alone, always at night to pray, and usually there was some great tension happening. It happened in, in this chapter, Mark 1.35, in chapter 6.46, and in 14.32-40. You know, Martin Luther is said to have said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Hmm. Wow, that's a practice that we need to work on. Going to a solitary place, some place that is different from what we normally are. Today I want to remind you that it's important to find a place to be with God. A space in your home. Pastor Vicki has a closet that she goes to. Maybe it's a place where you walk, where you find that you commune with God the best. Or maybe it's just a place, a chair that you go to, to sit. But you need to find not just outside solitary space, but internal solitary space, so that you can slow your mind and breathe prayer in and out like breath. Ask yourself, what is your current prayer practice? What are some examples of solitary places, both on the inside and outside, where you can go for prayer? Think about that this week. You know, this Lent, we are, we'll be taking time to walk through the disciplines of Lent. And on Ash Wednesday, we'll hear this, this charge, so to speak. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to a discipline that contends against evil and resists whatever leads us away from love of God and neighbor. And I invite you, therefore, to the discipline of Lent, that includes self-examination, repentance, prayer, and fasting, sacrificial giving, and works of love. Strengthened by the gift of word and sacrament, we can begin this discipline. Prayer is something as a discipline of Lent. In fact, prayer is one of the marks of discipleship that Zion has in, in, our, in our, uh, all of our, our, our works of of who we are, and we identify who we are as a congregation, prayer is one of the eight marks of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Not just a member of Zion, but a disciple of Jesus. It means that we are people of prayer. You know, I also find it fascinating that Mark says, and they brought all who were sick, and that Jesus cured many who were sick. I don't know if this contrast is intentional, but it strikes me that Jesus didn't seem to be able to cure them all. And maybe that's instructive. Because I don't know about you, but I think as our pastors, we often can focus on who we've missed, what we're not doing, where we're falling short. 
But maybe today we need to focus and draw strength from who's been reached, what we've accomplished, where we have moved more fully into the calling that we have received from God. Maybe this week you can think about all the places that God has already been at work in your life and not just focus on the areas where you think God needs to be more. But I want to go back to the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. You know, Jesus doesn't heal her because he thinks that Peter and his wife are incapable of preparing supper. He heals her because he loves her. And he wants her to experience new life. He heals her as a sign of God's deep desire that everyone be well and whole. And that healing came from a touch. Not a word spoken where Jesus says, be healed. He actually just reached out and took her hand. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things the pandemic has changed is how we are able to touch each other. The customary reaching out of a hand and shaking it is not acceptable anymore. Putting our arm around someone, we just keep that six-foot distance, and it prevents this, what we know to be healing, as we would touch each other in those safe ways. And this mother-in-law, whom we don't know her name, moves from her sickbed and begins to serve others because Jesus entered her life. You see, the grace of God inspires a life of service. The new beginning that Jesus wants for each and every one of us. The Greek word is where we get the word deacon. Is the very word that is used here for this woman begin serving. That word serving, we get the word deacon. Peter's mother-in-law is the first deacon in the church who serves Jesus and others. The grace of God is what inspires service. It's not guilt. It's not threat. It is God's grace that God offers to us that we in turn offer to others. Remember Mark's theme verse? For the Son of Man, that is Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life for a ransom for many. Jesus came to heal, to teach us, to pray, to proclaim the good news of God's love. He said, let's go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And Jesus then went to all those neighboring towns, in our day, the salvation that is the cross is still kind of hidden in this world. But you and I, we proclaim that the crucified one is risen and goes before us into this world. Frederick Buchner, a theologian and writer, says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deepest gladness 
and the world's deepest hunger meet. You are sent into this world to be a reflection of Christ, to serve the needs of others, to spend time with God, and to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And in doing so, we will bring healing that only love can create. This is our calling as followers of Christ. May we be faithful in the attempt to serve, to pray, and to share the grace that we have received with this world that is longing for good news, this world that is weary and tired. May we show them how to wait for the Lord, that they may be strengthened and rise up, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Thanks be to God.